Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You live in a liminal state. And if you can understand that, you can understand the New Testament. Here is the definition of what it means to to be liminal. Uh, Liminality is the state of transition between one stage and the next. Uh, It's a bit like being engaged. Uh, Engagement is a liminal state. It's a transition time between singleness and marriage. Um, You're not single anymore, but you're also not married yet either. And so you're in this liminal transition space in the middle. And because it's liminal, it's not permanent. It's a passing phase, heading somewhere. And you live in a liminal state. And if you've never considered that about your life, then I hope tonight will help. I hope it'll help you to understand uh, something about yourself, something about your true reality. I hope it'll help you to work out what's important and what the future holds. Our world is liminal, in transition, because of what Jesus has done. And that is the story of the New Testament. So what is the scope of the New Testament? As we stop and think, well, if we want to take in the whole thing and swallow it all at once, uh, what, what's the span of it? And so uh, to kind of get that, we need to look at where it starts and then where it finishes. So let's have a look. Uh, Matthew 1 verse 18. If you don't want to flick, that's totally fine. I've got all the uh, jumping around bits on the slides and we'll read them out as we go. This is the Matthew 1, 18, right at the start, after that genealogy, which we kind of uh, had a look at. Um, this is the first verse of the action and it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. The first event of the New Testament is Jesus' birth. It starts with his first coming into the world. He appears on the scene as a baby. And then look at where it ends. This is the second last verse in the Bible, uh, Revelation 22, 20. It says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It ends with his second coming, his return. And that's how to understand the meaning of the New Testament, by looking at those two appearings his first coming and his second coming, his appearing and his returning. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to see his appearing and his returning and then our waiting. We're going to see Jesus' first appearing as the Saviour King and then his second appearing, his return as the glorious judge. And we're going to think about our waiting in between as godly ambassadors. And uh, just so we get a sense that this is actually what the New Testament is on about, uh, this is how Hebrews 9 puts it. All of those three ideas, uh, his appearing, returning, and our waiting, all in the one place. Uh, 
Hebrews 9.26 says this, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's his first appearing. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to all those who are waiting for him. And that's why we live in a liminal state. We live between these two appearings of Jesus, his first appearing to take away sin and his second returning to bring salvation. And the whole New Testament either looks back at that first appearing and talks about it and thinks about it and helps us to understand it, or it looks forward to that second appearing and helps us to live in the meantime. Here's uh, kind of what it looks like. Uh, So that's what we're doing, Jesus appearing, returning, and our waiting. Uh, And then this is what it looks like as uh, kind of in diagrammatical form. Uh, There's the present age where we live now, and that's his first appearing um, at the cross. And then he's returning to bring an end to this present age, and in the middle, our waiting in our liminal state. So uh, that's kind of all the preliminaries. Let's dig in. Jesus' first appearing is as the Saviour King. Uh, We start with the Gospels. Uh, These are the biographies of Jesus that are written to show us that Jesus is this Messiah. Jesus is God's King. And so uh, this is Matthew chapter 12. The the Gospels kind of unpack the words of Jesus and his teaching, but also his actions, the things that he does to show that he is this King who's come into the world. And so uh, this uh, Jesus comes across this demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And you just need to stop for a moment at that point. I think we read over that quite quickly. But imagine being blind and mute in the ancient world. What kind of life is that? How desperately stuck are you? And Jesus, it says, healed him so that he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Could this be the king, the Messiah that we're waiting for? And then Jesus explains what's happening uh, there in verse 28. He says, but if it's by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus' first appearing is as the saviour king. The, the, the fulfilment of this promise that we heard about in the Old Testament, just as Jesus heals this man, He is giving people a taste of what God's eternal kingdom will be like. With no more sickness, no more death, no more spiritual evil gripping us, no more sin. As you read through the Gospels, you you read of, as Jesus teaches, and you read of his miracles that prove that he is the one to bring this promised kingdom. And he shows it just kind of, in embryonic form, just as a seed, just the first taste in his life of what will be. And one question the New Testament asks as you uh, read about the life of Jesus, it asks 
isn't this what you want? As you look around our world, as you see the chaos and the injustice, isn't this the, the, the world that you long for? Uh, the war in the Ukraine right now isn't just killing people on the battlefield, it's actually sparking a worldwide food crisis. Turns out that Ukraine and Russia produce a lot of food. Um, They actually account for 12% of the world's traded calories. That's how they measure these things, in calories. Um, But they obviously produce way more than they need, and so they export it, but all that has dried up. And so the countries that depend on that are, are facing famine because of this war. And along with COVID and supply chain problems and climate issues and all this stuff, we have the perfect storm of a broken world being messed up by broken people. And Jesus comes as the eternal king, bringing the first taste of a perfect world, free of the evil and brokenness that we see around us. But in order to bring that perfect world, he needs to first deal with the real problem, the problem that is at the root of all of this. He needs to deal with sin and our rejection of our creator God. So he doesn't just come as the king. He comes as the saviour. We read about it in Hebrews 9. He comes to do away with sin. That's why he comes in his first appearing. And how does he do that? Well, he does it by his death and resurrection. Half of the Gospels, half of the New Testament is made up of Gospels, right? Biographies of Jesus. Um, But get this, 15% is just one week, the the days leading up to Jesus' death. That's not 15% of the Gospels, that's 15% of the whole New Testament, one week. And 5% of the New Testament is given over to just his arrest and crucifixion. It takes about 20 hours uh, to read the whole New Testament. It's actually not that long, is it? 20 hours to read the whole New Testament straight through. And if you did that, you would be reading for one full hour just about Jesus' death. And that's not even counting all the letters that look back on Jesus' death or all the time Jesus spends talking about his death, teaching about it beforehand. Case in point, this is Jesus explaining why He's come in Mark 10, 45. He says, for even the Son of Man, that's him, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus describes his death as a ransom. A ransom is the payment you give when someone's been kidnapped, right? Uh, It's the price that you pay in order to release that person. And so he's saying, I will give my life as that price, my life in exchange for many lives. As you read the New Testament, it describes us as slaves to sin, like we've been kidnapped, held captive by our own rejection of God, facing punishment. But Jesus steps in and takes our place. He dies as a ransom, it says, so we can go free. Jesus' first appearing is as a saviour king. His return is different, though. He won't return in weakness, come to die 
as a ransom. Jesus returning is as a glorious judge. And when he returns, that is the point where God will end all the chaos and the injustice and when he will bring that all to account through his judge, Jesus. And for all those who haven't found safety in Jesus' ransom, it will mean facing that judgment on their own. And that reality is just the constant horizon of the New Testament as you go through. Here's Paul uh, passing on instructions to his co-worker, Timothy. Uh, and this, he says, this is the thing that you have to keep in mind. Uh, have a look. It says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing, the fact that you can see it coming, in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. See, that second appearing is the thing that Timothy is to keep in mind. Remember that it's coming, Timothy. Jesus is returning as the glorious judge. And and you need to have that reality shape you now. Our lives feel very stable. Uh, We feel permanent. We, We feel like we're here forever. Right up until the point where we don't feel like that. Right up until the point where you have to go to the funeral of a someone who is your own age. That's when you feel it. Six months after I left high school, I went to the funeral of one of my classmates from year 12. That was, it was the worst. We live in a liminal state. And Jesus will return as the glorious judge to bring an end to this liminal age. And it will be glorious, his return, because it will be good and right And his return will bring that ultimate, perfected world that God is making. Which is exactly what you read about in the Gospels when you see him walking the earth. So Jesus is returning as the glorious judge. So what do we do in the meantime? If Jesus is returning as the glorious judge, what do we do in the meantime? Well, according to the New Testament, we wait. We wait. We wait as godly ambassadors. Our task is to wait. But it's not a passive waiting. It's not like the waiting that you do when you're kind of watching the circle spin, waiting for Netflix to load or, you know, whatever it is you're watching. Uh, That's very passive. You're just kind of waiting there and then when it starts, also passive. Um, this is an active waiting it's more like waiting for your wedding day that's actually really active super busy, there's so much to do 
you have to organize invitations and flowers and wedding clothes and all this kind of stuff. And you also need to work on your relationship because the thing that you're heading towards is marriage. And that's exactly what it's like. We start now, as we wait, we start living for that age to come in view of his appearing and his kingdom. And so we're to be godly ambassadors. That's the logic of the um, passage that Joe read out for us at the start uh, there in Titus 2, verse 11. It's worth reading again. Here it is. For the grace of God has appeared. That's, that's Jesus in his appearing. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. He comes as the saviour king, offering salvation. And that grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, can you see what's on the agenda between the two appearings? It's to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives while we wait. Uh, The word godly there, it means that we're to be God-directed. We're to care about the things of God and not the things of this world. And notice how it's God's grace that does the work. It's God's grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness because it teaches us who we really are. It teaches us what our future will be and it makes us look ahead to that eternal hope. Uh, See, what projects do you have on the go at the moment? I was out with some friends recently and we're kind of talking about the projects uh, that we're working on. Uh, So one friend is is learning the cello. Um, You know, beautiful instrument. Sounds a bit wonky when you begin, but, you know, you have to work at it. Another friend is learning German. Um, and someone else from, from that group of friends has started lifting. Um, obviously, that's not me, right? But <laughs> these are things that you can't get overnight. Uh, you ha- it's a long-term project. You have to work at it day after day, and that is the godliness project. While you wait, it's like learning the cello. We need teaching and correcting and training in righteousness. We live in a liminal state, in this period of transition. We're not there yet. Jesus hasn't returned. And so we still live in this old age. But the Christian knows what our future state will be. And we know that it started in us now. If we are trusting in Christ and have his spirit. And so we live for that future now. We get dressed for the wedding early. We're to be godly while we wait. And we're to be godly ambassadors. Between the two appearings, uh, Jesus isn't physically here anymore, but his work of salvation continues. And that uh, work of salvation happens as the message of Jesus goes out. And as his spirit takes that message and applies it to the hearts of people who hear it and changes them, transforms them from the inside out. But for a message to go out, you need messengers. And that 
is the Christian. While we wait, we are to be ambassadors with a message. Uh, This is Paul again, uh, talking about his own ministry in Corinth. Uh, Here's what he says. He says, all this is from God who, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. See, there it is again, Jesus saving work in his first appearing, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us now the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Jesus' work now is to reconcile the world back to God. And he uses people like you and me to do exactly that, to act as ambassadors. You know what an ambassador does, right? Um, Think about the Australian ambassador to the US. He lives in America, but his job is to represent Australia. He's there and his job is to promote Australian interests over there. He has to speak on behalf of Australia. And that's us, right? Uh, Ambassadors of Christ in the world, we speak on behalf of him. We talk about Jesus. We carry the message of reconciliation. And so if you're a Christian... Can I ask you a question? Where has God placed you as an ambassador? Is that uni, amongst your class? Is it at work, in your family, among your group of friends? If you thought about them like a foreign country and you as the ambassador appointed to that country on behalf of Christ... What opportunities are there to share that message of reconciliation, to speak on behalf of Jesus, to share about his saving work? Because we live in a liminal world, an age of transition between Jesus' first appearing to bring reconciliation and his second returning to judge And so that means that now the time is open. The time is open. That's what Paul goes on to say to the Corinthians. Uh, In the next chapter, chapter 6, he says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour, and now is the day of salvation. See, a liminal space is exactly what we need. A time between God's grace appearing and his returning to judge because it means that now salvation is on offer. A liminal time is a time of mercy, a time where it's possible to change and return to God. Uh, In 1996 um, was the the Port Arthur Massacre, a man named Martin Bryant killed 35 people with a semi-automatic weapon. It was an awful event in the history of Australia. And in response, the Australian government uh, decided to, to 
put a ban on all semi-automatic weapons. Uh, but basically, like, you can put a ban down and not let any be sold, but there was already so many in, uh, just in ownership, in circulation. And so they set up a mandatory gun buyback scheme. Basically, it was a window of time uh, where you could bring in one of these guns, one of these banned weapons, and the government would buy it off you. No questions asked. Even if you were a criminal, even if this gun was dodgy, right? Bring it in, we'll pay you, no questions asked. And it was a period of amnesty, a time of free pardon. This is a picture of it. Incredible, isn't it? A moment where, with no consequences, you could come in and give your gun in, get money for it. Um, And that's how God treats us too. He opens a window of amnesty. He says, now is the day of salvation, a time when it's possible to hand in your weapons and make peace with God. Because in this uh, time, in 1996, if you kept your gun after the amnesty ended, uh, then you faced the consequences. You faced the consequences of the law because you were operating against the law at that point. You had missed the window of amnesty. And Jesus' return to judge will close the window on God's time of mercy. So can I urge you, if that's not you already, then be reconciled to God. In view of Jesus' first appearing and his return to judge, make peace with him now while we're in this time between his first coming and his second, while we're in this space of amnesty before his return. Be reconciled to God. And if you are a Christian, then I want you to know that This is what's true about our time, that we live in a liminal age in history, a time when the day of salvation is open. So will you wait with purpose? Wait actively. Will you live for that new age now, clothing yourself with godliness? And will you speak about Jesus' saving death while you wait for his glorious return.